Welcome back, everyone. I'm Taylor Rooks. And in this episode, I sit down with Denver Nuggets, Jamal Murray. We talk about his return to basketball after 539 days of injury recovery, why the Nuggets mascot Rocky deserves every dollar of their salary, and how the NBA bubble was arguably the highest level of basketball ever played. Enjoy. What up, Jamal? How you doing? Happy to have you. Thanks for having me. You know, I am um, happy to have you on the show. Good to see you, of course. But about maybe five days ago, I realized I'm coming to Denver to interview the wrong person. I should be interviewing your mascot. Rocky. Who we, who we all uh, learned apparently is making like $600,000 a year. Did you see that report? So what makes Rocky the superior um, NBA mascot? <laughs> he just gives off a lot of energy. He makes the half-court shots backwards yeah. every time. Um, actually, at a really good rate. Um, and yeah, yeah, he just does a great job. Great energy. So do you know the man or woman inside of Rocky? Uh-huh. Okay, what's he or she like? Us. Uh, that's confidential. Really? Is this top secret? Yeah, that's how it goes. Is the identity not revealed? Does anyone no. know Rocky? See, I didn't know this. Yeah. So he's kind of being paid to stay like incognito. Yeah. incognito it's all sure. of it together. Okay. Well, tell Rocky I said hi. I got you. Okay. I'm, I'm into, I'm very into this like mascot salary thing because I feel like I'm doing the wrong profession. I, I want to learn. Do if, it? Yeah. Like learn some flips, learn some behind the back. I think I could, I could do it. I'll work on it. If the Hawks, uh, Harry, I'm very into Harry the Hawk, but I would come and do that. Um, but first off, congrats. I'm so happy that you're back. Thank you. We all saw you on the preseason game against the Thunder. I'm sure the whole thing was amazing. Mm-hmm. But what moment in that game was your highest moment? Uh, probably probably the halftime buzzer. Um, just because I wasn't thinking about anything else except being in that mode and trying to get a bucket, which I, I ain't felt in a while. So... Obviously, making my first basket was good. Um, just being out there, hearing the fans was good. But uh, to be in that mentality, to switch, you know, to flip that switch was uh, was good. It was nice. So just to put into perspective for everyone, so you played basketball for the first time since April 12th, 2021. Nearly one and a half years, missed 100 of Denver's regular season games, 15 of Denver's playoff games. And as of today, it will have been about 540 days uh, since you played in the NBA game. A lot of numbers. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like it's been that long? Yes. Yeah, I thought I could say longer. <laughs> it's just been a, it's been a journey. You know, all the all the work you put in, um, all the detail stuff you got to go through, all the weight room, um, being away from the team, watching them do stuff, not feeling like you're part of it, um, and then you know just focusing on on doing your job, and not being able to do it um, at a high level. So, uh, a lot of things go through your mind, and it definitely feels really long. But um, I'm glad I put the work in and. Um, was able to show last night. So what did you learn about time through this process? It's got to stick with it. It's got to be patient. Um, it really tests me because there's times I felt like I could do more, but if I did too much, then the rest of the week would be off about how, how much I can do. So it got really confused, not confusing, but really detailed and tedious and um, all those minute stuff mattered. So that was, that was probably the tough part, knowing that, you know, if I do one extra jump today, it's going to be, I'm going to be sore for Two extra days. Yeah. Those were, uh, those were hard to limit myself. Yeah. So how much of that really was like balancing your limits, what you want to do, what you can do, what you can't do? Mm-hmm. Um, planning out days, uh, better planning, better preparation. Um, and knowing that, you know, the more time passes, the better I'm going to feel. So even like, you know, 
couple months ago, I was getting sore after I played. Now I'm not as sore. And I didn't see that before. I didn't see when I couldn't go up the stairs. I didn't see when I couldn't go down. My first couple of jumps were in the water. Um, all those little stuff started to add up. You start to see the progress and um, everything starts to, start, you start to see the light and everything. Well, there were certainly game, uh, moments in that game against the Thunder where you had to really trust that ACL, right? Mm-hmm. We saw you going one-on-one with Trey Mann. You had the fadeaway off the left leg. How much have you learned about having to trust yourself? And is that still hard? Uh, no, it's it's pretty natural, especially when I'm doing something I love and basketball is very natural to me. But um, it was the off-the-court stuff that was, was hard, to be honest. Like... Um, going down the stairs, I have a lot of stairs in my house. So like when I'm going up the stairs, going down, it's just like, man, I'm going to be sore tomorrow if I go up one more flight of stairs, yeah. you know? So I was like, those little stuff um, start to add up. Um, but once once I started to see the progress, I was on the court making jump shots, playing freely, um, started to see my moves work, started to get my, my uh, quickness back. Uh, everything just started to flow from there. Do you have to think about going up and down the stairs now? I still do. Slightly. Yeah, it's only because I've only thought of it for so long, um, and because I feel I'm still trying to feel the my needs, still trying to feel the, the grab on it, you know. So mm-hmm. um, it's not like crazy. Oh my god, the stairs! But right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, the stairs. <laughs> but it's still something that's like okay. I just got to make sure I just go down properly. That's it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because one thing that I've kind of learned as guys do go through certain recovery is there's more so these moments where you say, okay, I'm back or I feel better. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if a moment for you of feeling fully returned is when you aren't thinking about things like the stairs at all mm-hmm. anymore. Um, even in the game, you know, if I do an awkward movement, I don't want, sometimes I'm like, oh, I didn't move as quick as I wanted to just for that slight second. But then, you know, the move works or I get to where I want to and I don't think about it anymore. But it's just for that split second, I'm like, man, this... I didn't, I wasn't thinking about this two years ago. So yeah, uh, I'm just going to keep progressing. You're getting better. Yeah, no, I love that. I saw a picture of your dad sitting next to you mm-hmm. on the bench before mm-hmm. the game. And I've read a lot about obviously how he helped mold you into the player that you are today. That moment on the bench, what were you all talking about before the game? Uh, I didn't get to see him before the game. So we were just catching up real quick from his flight. Um, he had a long day, so he was tired, but um, it was nice. He just wanted to be the front for his game. It's mm-hmm. been a while since he's seen me play and he knows where I'm coming from. So. Uh, just nice to have him in the presence. So as I was getting ready for this, um, I went through some of your Twitter likes. Your uh, second like, second most recent like, I'll rephrase, but it is something to the extent of people really forgot how good Jamal Murray is. Do you feel that way? That they forgot? that they I, I do. I really do. Um, yeah. Just because I've been gone for so long. Uh, you know, when you see like the top, top guys in the league, they rank guys, you know, they, I haven't been playing so they don't rank me. So like, that kind of puts in my head, like, okay, I got some work to do when I come back. So um, that was the kind of thing as you see a lot, you know, people, they take you out of the categories, they put someone else that shouldn't be there. And then all of a sudden you're like non-existent because you're not playing. So uh, when I come back to play, um, I want to make sure that I have that in mind and I, and I keep those notes, those mental notes, just got to check boxes, you know? Yeah. Cause I, I do think when people get injured, there is this element of, you're almost out of the conversation. And then you in turn are probably internally struggling with like, okay, did they remember that mm-hmm. like, I'm also good. Mm-hmm. I just got injured. It hasn't changed who mm-hmm. I am as a player. How did you deal with that feeling of being what you thought was forgotten? Um, honestly, when you're not playing, um, you just got to focus on the stuff that is going to help you get back out there. So 
just putting more work in the weight room, just make sure I come back and my legs stronger so I can trust it better. Uh, putting more work in my jump shot, just all those stuff while I'm training, I'm making sure, like I said, I'm keeping notes and um, keeping that fire built up, um, even though I can't go you know, expand it, but um, I can have it build up and for moments like in the games, I can show flashes and so uh, what I need to do. Okay, so remind everyone, tell us what player, what kind of player Jamal Murray is. I mean, it shows for itself. Um, people kind of refer to the uh, the bubble guy. It's like I'm the same, I'm the same guy. Like I didn't, I didn't change. It's just a year later or whatever, two years later. So um, hopefully, I can go back and do a couple couple moves that remind them and and um, put my name back on that uh, back on that pedestal. You know, as someone who is also in the bubble, it's so funny that we really will always refer to this like playoffs one year as the bubble playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And just how special that moment was. I mean, obviously no one wanted to be in the bubble. We didn't want the circumstances that were happening in the world. But I think that that basketball was some of the best basketball I will ever see for the rest of my life. For sure. Do you feel that way? Sure. I think that was the highest level of basketball being played um, because it was only basketball. And guys are so locked in. It's, you know, you go to the gym, you have shoot around, you eat, you play, win or lose, you're in your room and you go back to the gym. If you want some, if you want to do something, you want a hobby, you just go to the gym. You have a court time from six to nine. Like that was all we did, <laughs> yes. you know? So I'm now you're playing cards with your teammates, you know? So um, guys were just locked in. I was, we're always talking about basketball. We're always talking about coverages. We're always in the gym shooting free throws. Um, so it was just, that was the only thing we're doing. And that kept, Help me for sure, because that's the kind of guy I am to, to stay locked in night in, night out. You know? That's why I think there's this contingent of people that try to discredit the Lakers for winning in the bubble, saying it doesn't count. Mm -mm. There is such a major argument to be had for it to actually have been harder to win in the bubble. But a lot of people, I think, don't really believe in the bubble basketball. Have you experienced that at all? Uh, I've seen it. You know, I see on Twitter people trying to discredit yeah. it, but I don't, I don't see it that way at all. No, it was real basketball. You know, there's no fans. Everything's kind of eerie in there. So, you know, if a coach yells at you, it's taken different than when fans are around and you can't yeah. kind of get blown over, mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, so um, like I said, it was really real. It was real basketball, real hoops out there. Absolutely. And bubble Jamal Murray was certainly something that was very special. What do you attribute those specific performances to? Um, just a lot of buildup, um, being mentally focused to play. Um, and my dad said something to me. Uh, I think after the game one against Utah, when we came back, um, he said, every time you step on the court, you can make history. So from, I don't know why it resonated, but you know, from that point on, when he said that, um, it just, something clicked. So when I, when I started to see myself do it and start to gain the confidence in doing it, um, I didn't want to lose that. I just kind of built on it. Night and night, I built on it. And then, you no, know, I can became harder to guard, and and that's when uh, you know, we beat you know, the Jazz, and then we moved on. And it was the same thing. It was just like just keep that same energy. There's no need to go back and be inconsistent. You know, just uh, I, I kind of found something. I found my routine, and I just stuck with it. Yeah. How do you take that same sort of mindset about making history every time that you step onto the court into this season? Um, just using everything of. Um, thought about being out. I think you have so many thoughts, so many doubts, and then people doubt you on top of that, and then you're not playing. So uh, it's hard to see yourself, what you can do after that. Um, the unknown, going to the unknown, you're not sure about. Um, so for me, it was just 
being excited to play, using my happiness, using my love for the game. And I think it'll show by itself. So uh, like, you know, two days ago we played and once I hit my first shot, I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm here. Now I can just play yeah. freely. You know, I, I got the, I got the monkey off my back. Now I'm just playing basketball. So mm-hmm. once I can get those games, I get some rhythm and uh, we got a lot of new players. So to find that chemistry, I think we'd be fine. All right. So this season, what we're going to see from you, you've never been an all-star. No, I haven't. Which, how I does haven't. it feel hearing that, <laughs> that you've never been an all-star? No, I haven't. Um, credit though, there's a lot of good competition. So um, CJ hasn't been an all-star either. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the toughest guys to guard. But I do want to make all-star. I do want to make all-star. I want to have that that title. Um, just something that I've never had. And I, now I have two playoffs that I missed. So I just feel like, you know, I'm that guy in the playoffs. And um, I, I've always had that kind of edge. So uh, I just need the... I just need the resume to show it now, that's all. And so knowing that, knowing there's some stiff competition yeah. um, in the West to be able to do that, how do you get that on your resume? What will it take for you to separate from that and become an all-star? Just being me. Just being, just being natural. I ain't got to overthink it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to get my shots, do two days. Um, I can I can be more locked in because that's what I was doing in the bubble. And that's yeah. what we had to do. So just taking the basketball night in, night out, day in, day out. I think that's all I need to be honest with you. Just yeah. more, uh, more commitment. One thing that always comes up is you and Jokic and the synergy that you all have, the great chemistry you have. It's something that's said and thrown around, but why is it? Why do you think you all have such good chemistry? And has it always been that way? Always been that way. We, uh, so we came off the bench together, mm-hmm. our, our rookie years. Um, Nurk started and then Moody and Jameer started over me and Gary too. So uh, we came off the bench together and then we started doing the hit the post, I cut and he threw it over his head. And that would always make the highlight for some reason. And then when he took Nurk's spot, I moved up. It just, we kept that. And Yoke's a very unselfish player. He just wants to pass and get out guys open. Um, and I'm just trying to make the right play. So, you know, we, we just kind of feed off each other's energy. If I'm open, there's no hesitation to pass the ball. I think a lot of, a lot of teams have that slight pause or that slight hesitation or a slight overthinking uh, the play where for us, it's just boom, boom, bang. Somebody's open. You know, there's no really, there's no, there's no call for it. There's no, there's no waiting around. And um, it's just nice to have somebody on the same page all the time, all game, no matter the time of the game or score, you know? So that ease that comes with you all, is there anything that you can compare it to? Peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Like you just put peanut butter first and you put jelly on like it's, <laughs> it's just, that's just how it goes. That's how people make it. You know? yeah. So I feel like it's the same thing where when we go pick and roll, it's, it's simple. If, if the defender does this, this is what I'm supposed to do. If, and he knows the same way around for him. So uh, we do a lot of that uh, playing with the defense and make them, make them think about how to guard us, you know? And I assume that it's gotten to the point where you also just know what he's going to do yeah. before he does it. Yeah. You're in your spot. You know what's coming. I mean, that's very, very clear uh, when we watch you all play, which is why it's very exciting that you're going to be on the court together. Jokic, um, there's kind of a chance he could get third MVP, I think, if everything goes right. Mm-hmm. Do you see that for Jokic this yeah, year? I mean, you got me, Mike, AG, and Pope, KCP, um, yeah. starting five. You know, that's like he was getting tennises before. Imagine if he's shooting the the guys that, you know, shoot like 40 for seven three. So mm-hmm. he's gonna have a lot of assists this year and uh his workload won't be as high as past couple of years. Yeah, because you are gonna come in and take a lot of that mm-hmm. weight off of him. 
What do you think makes you all legitimate contenders this season? Uh, we don't panic. I think that's a big thing during the season, during the game. There's no panic. Um, and there's always a sense that we can come back. I know a lot of teams know if you go down 10, 15, 20 points, it's kind of okay. We, we know we got them. Uh, with us, you know, we can come back at any time. We just need a couple of baskets go in, a couple of stops, and, and we're right there with, with new energy, new life. Um, I think resiliency is a big part of our team um, and knowing that we can actually get the job done and accomplish the job. So, um, yeah, like I said, just free flowing. Uh, we have a lot of fun with the game um, and we enjoy to see each other succeed. Okay, so watching from the sidelines, what did you learn about your team's defense? Which year? This last year? past season, yeah. Um, <laughs> just need to get better. Just need yeah. improvements. That's mm-hmm. all. Um, I thought we had some really good stints. I thought Austin Rivers did a great job last year trying to guard Steph. Uh, even when Steph scored, he was right there and, and um, was disciplined. Um, well, I think this year we have a we have a squad where Bruce Brown, KCP is back. I'm back. Um, we have a lot of guys that can switch one through five, one through four, and um, mm-hmm. get some stops. So yeah, yeah. I know that in the press conference you were asked about you know when you, all five of you are on the floor, you beat the Clippers. You said you felt like no one could beat you. What about that moment made you as a team feel unstoppable? And how far is this team from that? Like I said, we were down 3-1 twice and yeah. it didn't phase us. Like we st- still knew we had to play basketball. They still had to come play the, the, ne- the next game. Um, we didn't weary from that. We didn't, we didn't get, uh, no, you know, down or, or sad or feel sorry for ourselves. It was just like, they got to win one more and we're not going to make it easy for them. And, uh, that went for both series. So, uh, once we, especially when you see yourself come back the first time, you're like, oh man, we did something that's never been done. Or for whatever eighth time has been done, and then we did it again in the same playoffs. Like we have something real special, you know. We got a team that uh, can do a lot. If we just get off to a better start, yeah. we'd be up three one. You know, <laughs> change the pace a little bit, um, have better chances. But yeah, yeah. One thing that's very clear to me through talking to you now, but also from what I've read, is for you the mental side of the game is probably mm-hmm. the most important. Mm-hmm. I read a lot about your dad teaching you all what I think you called mental kung fu. Yeah. Yes. Tell everybody what that means and how that bleeds into your game. Um, I always try to compare it to like a fight. So I watch a lot of boxing and UFC. And if a fighter doesn't bring that energy, if he doesn't, you know, come prepared, he's going to get knocked out in front of everybody, in front of his family, in front of his kids, in front of the world. Um, And so I try to bring that same energy to basketball where if I'm not locked in or if I have a really slow start or whatever, we're going to lose. And I try to have that mentality. Um, also, a bounce back mentality. So if you know if the team hits me first, or I have a bad, really bad first half, I can go in the locker room, reset, and then come back with the new energy and have how many points I want. Basically, um, that's that mental side. That's that uh, that kung fu, that um, that fighting spirit. You know, mm-hmm. so just try to keep that on me. So, do you feel like you play better when it feels like there's more pressure yes. on you? If, if, if somebody screams me hard and hits me in my mouth, I'm going to have a better game. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you're almost making me, you know, go ahead and shoot. And I'm like not locked in, you know, I'm just kind of going through it. Um, so when a guy tests me or when the team tests us uh, or the stakes are higher or the pressure's higher, yeah, I think it definitely um, raises our level of play. What I always think about is what someone told me once. They said that fear makes the wolf bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. And I think that in a place like the Western Conference, 
a lot of wolves, a lot of teams that can look very scary. How do you know that no matter who the opponent is, what the team is, that you and your team have a chance? Because uh, we've done it. We've seen it. Um, you know, anybody can be anybody in the league, but when you, when you bring the best version of you, it's hard to see yourself lose. It's hard to, because you don't say, oh, I brought the best version and I know I'm going to lose because who thinks that they're going to lose after bringing their best. So if I know if I go bring my best, regardless of what's happening, I think we have a chance. Um, and I try to feed that to the teammates and um, bring the energy to the team, to the fans, uh, just kind of rally them and bring that energy. But, you know, not every guy has it every night. So you got to mm-hmm. figure a way to pull it out of them um, and always hold yourself to a high standard. You know, if you don't have it, you got to find a way to get into it. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, whatever it is, when halftime come, just reset like it is for me. Um, or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I try to do. So when you look at this season and you think about your goals, how has goal setting maybe changed for you for this stretch because you're coming off of an injury? Or is it the same? Championship. You know, we're trying to win a championship. Nothing less. Um, I know I'm not where I want to be yet in terms of the, the level of play, but um, I feel like once we hit the stride and we, once we hit our rhythm, you know, I feel like we'll be, you know, top three in the league, you know, just at the finals. Um, I just know that you can't skip. You can't skip over the finals. So there's, the, the work has to be done. Uh, the preparation has to be done. The, the progress, the ups and the downs, the adversity. You got to go through it all before you get there. But that's where we see ourselves is at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about playing well under pressure, it feels like it's a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations on this team to get it done this time. Do you feel that? Whether it affects you personally or not, do you feel that expectation? Um, I mean, it can be an expectation, but it doesn't. I don't feel like... It gets pressure though. Like yeah. it's just still something we're all trying to. Everybody's trying to win a championship. Good mm-hmm. teams, bad teams, we're all trying to win a championship. Um, we just feel like we have the team to do it, and we'd be cutting ourselves short if we if we didn't believe in it or actually make it a goal. Um, so I don't see us not making the finals just because I know how good this team can be. You know, mm-hmm. so. There was a moment um, in the preseason game against the Thunder where you looked at the crowd and you said, "That's what I do." That's what I do. What did you want the people to feel in that moment? Um, like I said, in that moment when we saw there were six seconds on the clock, didn't matter what quarter, just six seconds left and Joker's inbound the ball and we got six seconds to go. Um, did like nothing else matters. Everybody's waiting. Everybody's expecting us to score. Um, we're all in a, I'm in a different mode when I had the ball. So uh, I felt it because I felt me and I haven't felt me in a while. So when I felt me, I was like, okay, let me, let me, let me bring on, let me, let me, let me bring them on in. No, so. Everybody don't feel me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me bring them on in. Yeah. So yeah, um, it was a first taste and everything, but it was just nice to, to have that, uh, that energy back in the building, you mm-hmm. know, for, it's been a while. Cause see, I thought you were going to say that was your favorite moment. Cause it felt like in your face that really meant something to you. Cause you were feeling the energy and feeling back to yourself yeah, when yeah, you yeah. said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that six seconds, I was, I was the Jamal that everybody knows, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I wasn't shy, being shy about it, you yeah. know, so. But what has that process been like just generally like coming back to yourself? You know, you're describing it as I am now what I have been, mm-hmm. which would imply that 
for these past, you know, years, you haven't been that because you haven't Mm -hmm. been playing. Mm -hmm. Has there been any sort of, I guess, thoughts about your identity and what it means with or without basketball? Uh, I just feel like I just need to see myself do it um, to have that confidence to shake the doubt, um, shake the unknown about what's going to happen after I come back, you know? So uh, just being in that moment, being locked in, um, feeling the energy, uh, feeling the confidence in myself like I haven't felt. No, you go and practice, you hit a couple shots, it's whatever, it's practice. But if you go in the arena and actually do it in the game and everybody sees what you're doing, um, you get that confidence back. And it only takes one one play to have to, to, to spark it back up again. So like I said, once I had that, um, I could easily just shot a regular. I just went off the backboard because that's just, <laughs> I just do stuff like that. I just, that's yeah. just what I am. So um, it was just nice to bring the energy back in the building, see it, believe it, and uh, look forward to, to doing it again, you know? For sure. Yeah. So another reason I was really happy to talk to you is because I want to get your thoughts on analytics and basketball. Yeah. I know obviously the Nuggets are big into that. Yep. Uh, Jokic, big into that. One of the big reasons he won MVP, he was just leading like every advanced mm-hmm. category. I'm a voter. I voted for Jokic. Mm-hmm. I get it. Congrats to him. How do you feel about how it has invaded basketball? Because you know on Twitter, there's this contingent of people that are into the numbers. Then there's the like... He got that dog in on mm-hmm. Twitter and they go in for the eye test. Mm-hmm. Where do you fall? Um, I fall off feel. I fall off feel. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's going to be bad shots in the game. There's going to be bad takes in the game, bad decisions. Everybody's going to do that. But to take out the mid-range shot because it's not a good shot, it's it's kind of it's kind of corny, honestly. It's, I don't really like that. Like, DeRosa is one of the best to do it. Mm-hmm. Um pump faking guys, putting them in foul trouble, getting to the free throw line, getting himself in rhythm. Like there's so much more details than just what the point actually means, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's my take on it. There's some, there's, if you go for a game winner, I'd rather take a mid range than, than a three. Just, it's just a he's naturally easier shot and mm-hmm. I can stop on a dime. I can step back and still be in a close, close space, close to the basket. Like there's so many different things that can happen. Um, just playing off that mid range. That's just one part that's, of the analytics. Yeah. That's just the mid range <laughs> that we're talking about. You know, there's so uh-huh. many different aspects of the analytics that uh, gets kind of buried. Yeah. You know? Cause I mean, okay. I like it. I get it. I think that it has certainly enhanced the game, shown things that work and things that don't. But sometimes when we get too caught up in yeah. it, we are losing a lot of the stuff that we love about the game too. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder how we can continue to have that balance as the game progresses. Cause I don't know if there's that balance right now. I think you just got to understand somebody's game. That's the biggest thing. You got to understand yeah. what they're capable of doing and what they want to do. Like, I'm not going to tell Joker, not, don't shoot a mid-range because right. it's the bad shot. You know, it's, that's his game. It's, he makes that and that's what wins his games. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got to look at the wins and the dubs instead of the analytics all the time. Yeah. I actually had a conversation with Jamar about that. And I asked him if there, if he ever felt any sort of pressure to change what his game is because the game has gone away from what he is excellent at. Mm-hmm. And he said, you almost have to have this resolve that if I know I'm the best at doing this thing, why would I ever change it? And there's going to be so many places you go where they want you to change, want you to trend towards whatever the popular thing is, but you're actually ruining what got you to that space. Yep. But it's difficult, I think, to, you know, to stay there when mm-hmm. you're seeing other things. It's like, it's like going to uh, making it to the league and then they try to change your shot. It's like, well, right. I made, I made it, I made it to leave by <laughs> shooting my shot. That's basically yeah. the meaning of it. So like when you said that, it's kind of resonated. No, yeah. absolutely. So then what would you say to people that maybe don't 
get why maybe Jokic got the MVP over someone like Embiid? What makes Jokic so special besides the numbers? I mean, what the amount of possessions and games throughout the seasons, throughout two years of him winning MVP is it's crazy. If you actually go and watch the games and he's got a guy on him, defender coming from here, sometimes defender coming from here, he's able to look this way and throw a pass and he's got three guys on him. Like it's, it's not easy. It's not just because he's passing the ball or he's not doing too much work. Like he's creating everything for us, literally everything. So uh, to watch him do that possession after possession to the playoffs, like it's, it was pretty incredible and to have the consistency to do it mm-hmm. is another thing. Um, I think, I don't think anybody else should have won it over, over Yoke. I really don't. You could argue that it's maybe even like a little underrated what he was doing very. because so much of it was just him doing it. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Very. Do you? And, oh, go ahead. I was just thinking of uh, the confidence he got in doing it, getting double teamed and still throwing no looks and, and mm-hmm. making crazy plays. And like I said, having the confidence to you know, do a one leg off the backboard. Like it's, it takes a lot of self trust to, to do that. And when you even being doubted, you know, like mm-hmm. you said. So. How did your appreciation for him change watching and not playing with him? Learned a lot. Picked up a lot of tricks in the post. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, just beautiful to see. You know, you, you almost just can't wait to see what he's going to do. It's just that, you know, in awe moment um, watching him play and uh, knowing that he's not being selfish with it either. He's really just trying to win the game and, and, and look for you and look to make plays. So um, it's a joy to watch. Uh, he's so versatile and everybody talks about how he's not that good on defense. He's got great hands though. He's got great <laughs> hands. He's got great anticipation. He reads the game well, good, good on angles. Like um, he's just a well-rounded player overall, you know? No, I mean, I, I love watching him play. I agree with you. I think that he deserved those MVPs. Like I said, I voted. I'm with it. I'm into all of it. I voted too. Uh, <laughs> like he is, he is my pick. <laughs> um, there's so many just random topics that I want to talk to you about because I've actually never interviewed Jamal before. Um, and one of those things is when you had 48 points and you wanted to get 50. Boston? Yes, yeah, so and yeah. you took the shot. I am not opposed to this. It was a very polarizing moment. After you've done it, where do you fall on it? Do you think it's disrespectful to take that last shot? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's so far gone now. It's like, why does it even matter? Oh, it will happen again. Not with you, but it, this will always be a thing. I'm like, if I want to get 50, me scoring this is not me disrespecting your team. Uh-huh. It's that I just, I oh, want 50, my 50. Yeah. Here's, here's what I would have done. I would have shot it to make it. I think I, think I just shot it expecting to make it because I was... I was making so many shots that night, but I really just kind of put it up in a way. I felt like if I really shot it to shoot and I hesitate, then I think I would have a different take on it. So Okay. Yeah. And your take now is I don't really don't care. Yeah. I don't know. Whether you hate it or not, that was five, six years ago. Like I don't care. Yeah. I, don't I mean, I'm I'm just saying I'm Jim Jamal on this. I don't think it was that big of a care. deal. Whoever's but bad is bad, is whatever. I don't think anyone's mad anymore. But in that time, I remember Twitter really going back and forth. Should you be allowed to do this? I don't think it's that big of a deal, but haven't talked to you. So I wanted to ask you about that too. Um, also want to talk to you about you meditating. Mm-hmm. I read that that is something that you do every day. Not anymore, but it's a big part of my preparation for games. Okay. Um, Can you walk me through it? Just being honest with yourself. Um, you know, as some people find it weird and it is weird, but when you really look at yourself in the mirror and... Um, have an honest conversation, it's hard to make excuses for yourself later on. So if I say, just a quick example, if I say, you know, I'm really tired, 
I really don't want to work out in the morning or I really don't want to work out later. Um, I just want to do whatever. And then I go to the mirror and I say, yeah, I really don't want to do this. And then all this stuff comes in where like, I'm telling myself this, it's not like someone else is telling me. So like, it's hard for me to say, yeah, actually, yeah, just don't go. Cause I'm saying that I'm telling myself I should have gone, you know? And then mm-hmm. if I don't go, it's like, well, no one else is limiting me, but me now. So I try to keep that in, uh, in my head all the time where I can, I can't go back on myself. If I say I'm going to go in the morning, I can't just make them excuse myself and not go. Cause then I'm, I'm only cheating myself, you know? Yeah. So I try but to keep you, them. Yeah. You don't want to be the thing that stops you. No, no. Cause there's not really an no. excuse. Unless something happens where I got an appointment, I got I can't make it cool. But when I say I'm going to do something, I try to actually follow through so that I don't go back on my word on my own word mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Have you read the four agreements? Uh-huh. Well, in, in that book, it's just one of the things that they say everyone should live by is being impeccable with your word, holding mm-hmm. yourself to mm-hmm. the things that you say. Um, and it just made me think about it when you say that. Do you do any visualization with yeah. your meditation? Oh, yeah. I mean, before every game, I try to visualize the game and how it's going to go or, or what I want to do or just the energy I want to bring. That's the main thing is what energy am I going to bring? Because people are watching, my team is watching, they're feeding off of me. I'm the point guard. I'm calling the plays, I'm leading the team. So I don't want to have my energy down or off or unpredictable or just not there in the moment. Um, I want to bring a certain energy where they look at their point guard, they look at the leader as as he's ready to go. Whether he misses, whether he has a bad game, he's, he's there for the right reason. He's doing it for the right reason. So um, I try to, like I said, to the fight, I can't just go in a fight and, and not bring it. You know, you got to bring it. So especially when you got a teammate watching you and you got young guys watching you and I got my little brother watching me. You know, I try to uh, show the right things. Yeah. First regular season game, what will you visualize? I feel like it's just going to be natural. I think the first time I touched the court was the big one. I think that was... What did you visualize that day? uh, Just making my first shot. I think that's why it took me so long to make my first shot. Ah... (laughs) That's fine, because I was thinking about it the whole time. Yeah. Um, even when I got to the free throw line, uh, I shot the technical, like the crowd was cheering. I was already smiling. I'm like, I already know I'm going to miss this. I'm just not here right now. I'm yeah. just too happy. <laughs> and then once I went to the bench and settled down, relaxed, my nerves got calm, focused on the game. Then I made my shot and everything was just flowing after that. Yeah. So, okay. Regular, so- season should be, regular season should be, I should be. I should be going by then. Yeah, I mean, I also think this is great news for Nuggets fans because it feels like for you, you just needed that game. Oh, yeah, it's a check, like, it's like, a check my here. own box. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was just, about your boxes. Yeah, I just need to check my own list and um, get that game under my belt and just just feel it, you know? And mm-hmm. then after that, I can figure out my rhythm and my pace and all that. All that stuff's easy to figure out once you play. But I just got to get that monkey off my back. No, it's good night. I love nice that. Night. And I also hope fans really do understand just the mental fortitude that it takes to even have gone onto the court that day, wanting to make that first shot, trusting your body, knowing that you're ready. I think all of those things are kind of underestimated when a player is making that return. I think that when I think about Dame coming back, Kawhi coming back, Ben coming back, all of these people, it's not just about that physical element of stepping onto the court. It's what you have to tell yourself on the court, what you had to say before you stepped on the court. A lot of things really go into it that I don't know if that's always that's always appreciated. What do you think people don't fully understand about recovery? Or what did you have to learn about recovery that you didn't know? Um, I mean, I've been hurt before, but I've never been out like that. Um, and like in the playoffs against Golden State, they wanted me to come back. And I was 
training to come back. I was ramping up. I was doing more. But I wasn't close mentally to play. Like I wasn't navigating screens was hard. Now you want me to go and navigate a screen with Steph. Like it's just, I'm just not there yet, you know? So um, the mental side was uh, was harder and I'm good with the mental side, but it was just a lot tougher in the, the duration of it and the amount of thought that you put into it and the amount of doubt that happens. Then you see other people doubt and then you don't know what's going to happen because you're not playing. So like there's so many different things circling your head. Um, I just had to stick to myself and know that even though I want to play, my passion comes out. I want, I want to be there for the team. Like I just, there's so many parts of the game where I wasn't, I just couldn't do it yet. I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. So now that I look, whatever, six months later, I'm in a completely different space than I was before. And now when I look here, I'm like, man, I thank God I didn't play. You know Very what I'm saying? Because, you know, like it was just, <laughs> yeah. it, all, it finally comes into context and finally comes out um, how it should. So yeah, it was just nice to see it through and get healthy and not have any, uh, any regrets about playing, you know? And I think you're right. You made the smartest decision. But in that moment, how hard was it to have to say, no, I can't play? Very hard. I went to my dad and said I wanted to play. That's the thing. Like mm-hmm. I was, I want to play. And I, if, if I stopped training, like I wanted to play, then I would have been ready to play. So I had mm-hmm. to keep that, that thing going where, okay, I'm, he's trained to come back. He's trained to come back, whether he comes back or not, he's training to come back. Um, so yeah, once, once I said I wasn't come back, it was like, okay, I'm not going to the weight room. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not shooting. It was kind of like, you know, mental relax. I just kind of relaxed yeah. and, and chilled because I knew I wasn't going to play. So I'm happy. I, uh, I kept the training like it should have been. Yeah. But that's why I had asked you, like, what you learned about time, like what your relationship is with time now, because you have to give time time, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. sometimes we just think that because we want something, it'll happen. But so much of everything is, is a process and having things go in the way that they should, which I'm sure you had to learn through this. Just because you want something doesn't mean yep. it's the right thing or the yep. thing that For you sure. can do. So sure. I'm sure you learned a lot about yourself too through this. When I um, when I said I wasn't going to play, it was like coming down from a high or something. Like I went into a dark spot. Like I, this is what I've been working for. This is what I've been training for. This is what I've been trying to get healthy for. Uh, blood, sweat, and tears. Days I didn't want to do it. Pain, soreness, um, all that stuff. And then to not to not get a reward of playing, like that really sucks. So I definitely hit it down after I, I knew I wasn't going to play. And it was like a buildup. Okay, now I got to bring my, I got to fix my energy to go back and hit training again and, and go with the same mentality, a better mentality. Um, now that I look, I'm in such a better spot. It's like, Everything happens for a reason, you know? Yeah. It just, it just worked out the way it should. Yeah, because playing in that probably was like the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. But it was, the yeah. light yeah. got taken, taken away. It's yeah. just tunnel. Yeah, it's just tunnel. <laughs> yeah, you're like, was, you got more to go. It's like, yeah. that was the thing is I was hoping to see myself make it back on the court. And then when I didn't, I was like, man, I got I got to wait a whole another thing. I got to have a whole different view on it. You know, and it was just, it was a lot mentally to, to get through that. You said that it was a dark spot for you. What do you mean by that? Um, it's just like looking forward to something you've always looked forward to and then actually putting the work in for it and then not seeing the reward out of it. It was like, man, this is, this is, I've already been through nine, 10 months of, of not doing it. Um, it's hard to see another, another five after that. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a tough part going through the summer, 
the beginning of the summer at least and uh, uh, not having the feeling of playing because the longer I'm not playing, the more out of rhythm I am, just the more it takes for me to get back in rhythm. So, um, so yeah. More bad days or good days? Uh, that's a good question. Um, definitely more good days. Uh, good. Definitely more good days. But those bad days can can really change your thinking or change a person. Um, uh, I had somebody tell me the fear of the unknown is is, is strong because you're adding, you can add whatever you want in that time frame. So if I don't, you know, I didn't know I was coming back. I didn't know how I was going to go. I didn't know when I was coming back. Um, the situation I was going to be in, all that was was fearful. All that was unknown. Um, and then I didn't come back. It's like, okay, it sucks, but at least I can, I'm in control of the next five months. I'm in control of how prepared I am, uh, my readiness, uh, my focus. I, can, I have an opportunity to, to remodel my, my mentality going into the next season. You know? yeah. it's not, I'm not going into the fire of the playoffs and uh, got to deal with whatever it is. I'm going to a regular season where I have a, a fresh start and uh, a new beginning almost. So you talk about comparing, you know, going onto the court to a fight. Yeah. You talk about this mental kung fu. What fighter are you? Jamal Murray was a, a fighter. fighter. Who are you? Who embodies Jamal Murray? Um, it would definitely be a fighter with confidence, utmost confidence, mm-hmm. uh, flair, um, someone who's exciting to watch. Um, I don't talk a lot. Of, I don't talk crazy, so I don't. I don't <laughs> want to say someone that talks crazy. Uh, you wait. You're not a trash talker at all. Are you? I mean, depends on the <laughs> situation. <laughs> I do not believe you. Okay. <laughs> when I'm when I'm in mode, when I'm when I'm in mode, I'm definitely a different person. Like yeah. I'm not even. I'm not even thinking of this person as a person to me. I'm just yeah. I'm just thinking about what I got to do. Um, in mode. Okay. In mode. Locked in. Your I'll, alter ego. Basically, I call it my yeah. This is my alter ego. Does your alter ego yeah, have a name? Sure. Nah, <laughs> he got a name. He got a name. Just quiet assassin. Quiet assassin. Um, I'm into it. Uh, I don't know who what fighter I'd be though. I'm getting like kind of some Bruce Lee vibes because this is very mental. It feels like yeah, for you, go with Bruce Lee. Very I could, like be water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. flow adjust. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's me right there. Bruce yeah, Lee. that's a good one. And that could be that your alter ego. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like he's it's for sure some some Bruce Lee going on. Um, a couple more of you before we finish. I was watching an interview you did, and you said something that I just I just resonated with me a lot, and I think probably resonates with a lot of basketball players. You said. One of the hardest parts is being you when you're someone else to everybody. What did you mean by that? Um, just being true to yourself is tough sometimes when other people think they know you or think that you should be a certain way or think that your situation is different, you know, than it really is. Um, I don't know. That, that kind of goes for a lot of things. Uh, like if I go to the store and I, I'm just at the gas station, I'm just trying to get some milk, like people pulling out cameras and phones and um, it's hard to be myself knowing that they're looking at me in a different light. So like, even if I'm frustrated, even if I'm annoyed or if I'm, I don't have it that day, like it's hard to, it's hard for them to see that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I try to, I do a good job of holding my temper, but I definitely 
have my days where I'm just like, man, this guy does not respect my space at all. Like, yeah. you know, so I think that goes on to the court as well. It's like, why isn't he doing this? It's like, that's just, that's not how, that's not how things are working right now. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at it from the outside in basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to stick true to what's going on on the actual inside. That's all. Just staying true to your identity. For sure. We just had Jason Tatum on the show and he talks about this. And one thing I asked him is like, what have you had to sacrifice to be Jason Tatum? And he's like, really everything. My time, my space. Yep, yep. privacy. He's like, anything that I do is a thing. Mm-hmm. Like he, the reason we started talking about it was the photo of him and KD. And then everyone's like, oh my God, is Jason trying to get KD? Mm-hmm. He's like, nope, actually we're just working out, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know? And it's like, you almost can't do anything without people putting things on you. And mm-hmm. there's not really any grace, I think, that is given to NBA players. People see an image, they see a video, and they have decided that that's who you are or that's what you're doing in that moment. So how do you deal with still being you while also understanding what you said, that there are other people that see you as things too? Uh, I think I just, I do a good job of reading people and I don't get too upset. So if if they look at me like if they're really excited or if whatever it is, I just try to keep that in mind. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to come off wrong or, uh, you know, just be rude or anything or just throw them off because I'm having an off day. You know, I try to at least, they're happy. They're, this is this is something I've worked for my whole life. And I remember seeing Vince um, as a young kid. And I tell the story every, during every interview, but um, I was in the stands as a young kid and my favorite player. We were in the full purple and gold shoes and everything, full of everything. <laughs> You've Vince out. Vince out, headband. <laughs> I didn't even need, I didn't even like wearing headbands, but I wore it just because of Vince. Um, <laughs> And I yelled his name as 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 as, um, as hard as I could, and I said Vince Carter, Vince Carter, and I could tell like he's in the game, like he's in the game, and he's got this kid out of nowhere just heckling at him, and I'm just sitting there so excited. I'm asking, can I yell his name? Can I yell his name? And he looked up and he went like this, and I'll never forget about that. I remember the story. Just remember the, the day. Just just going like just going like that. Um, so when I see a kid or I see a fan, even adults, it's kind of weird with adults. Cause it's like, you should understand, like, just give me, <laughs> yeah. you know, just take it, just chill. But, yeah, chill out. We're but, grown. <laughs> but when I see a kid, at least, um, with that kind of excitement, like I don't, I don't, I take, I just drop everything. You know, I, I don't have to carry that with me when I see a kid. Um, so happy. Cause that, that moment changed my life. That moment changed my outlook, my, um, perception on people. Uh, all that stuff. So just by when I was six years old, I remember that that changed me. So I try to have that same thing where if a kid sells, yells something, um, I can give that same vibe that he, Vince gave me, you know? And you know, you certainly have, I'm sure, given that to so many kids that are going to remember so. that specific so. moment. Okay, one last one for you because I know we need to wrap. Can't have, on the sh- have you on the show without asking you about games. I know that you love, you're a gamer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, NBA 2K, before you were on the Nuggets, what team did you play with? I use LeBron a lot. I used um, Eddie House from Miami. Oh, okay. <laughs> Torching people with Eddie House. I'm talking about like when I was young. I was not I, expecting <laughs> you to say that, but okay, you got an Eddie House mentioned. Michael Red. Okay, all <laughs> oh, these guys. Michael. Yes, yes. I love um, it. I, I've been gaining. I've been playing 2K since like 2K3. So I've been okay. playing. I've been playing Corey McGetty. Like he used to be a slasher, just unstoppable. <laughs> um, 
Eddie House was like was a was definitely one of my favorites. No, uh, I love this is actually the second Michael Red mentioned DeMar DeRozan also mentioned Michael Red as someone who gave him mm-hmm. some really good advice. So he's gotten some love on the yeah. show. And lastly, I know you've talked about your rating. Before they came out, you said that you should have at least been, I think you said an 88. You said at least an 88. I think that would be fair, yeah. But what are you? I don't know. I think I'm an 85 or 86. Okay. I think something like that. So we're going to get that up. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's got to change. Yes, I love that. You heard that, Ronnie, wherever you're at. Ronnie knows. I told him. (laughs) (laughs) He is in his ear. Uh, Nerdmall, you are a pleasure. Thank you for doing this. I'm so happy that you're back. We're all excited to watch you and uh, have a beautiful season. I appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. 